0: Welcome back to the 67th episode of the runtogold.com podcast. I've got a special guest with us here, uh, Bill Rounds. He's a California attorney, specializes in whistleblower uh, law, also privacy law, handles some criminal defense, uh, civil litigation, and so he's a, he's an expert here for us. And he's recently put together a bank privacy report. So, welcome, Bill. Hi, Trace. How are you? Great. Okay, so first, why would anybody want uh, this bank privacy report?
1: Well, especially since, you know, in the last 10 years, there's been a lot of changes to uh, laws in the U.S. that affect all U.S. citizens and a lot of citizens of other countries who do business or who bank in the U.S. Um, And a lot of those laws are kind of surprising and a little bit esoteric. People don't always know exactly what they contain. Um, So I thought, I would really do an in-depth analysis and do some research on just what those laws and
0: what those changes are. Good. Who exactly is accessing our, our banking record?
1: Well, obviously the bank that you bank with is going to have access to these records. I think everyone understands that. But who they share it with, um, I don't think most people understand that almost any federal agency or law enforcement agency can request these bank records with uh... much less than a warrant they don't need a warrant uh... to do this and then they can gather those records for whatever reason it's not just federal law enforcement and other agencies but a lot of marketing companies or what are called affiliate and non-affiliate companies are able to access these records as well so uh, anything from um Loan generation companies or you know salesmen of whatever product of whatever uh, vitamin C salesman uh, is there that day um, are able to access your banking records sometimes with your knowledge a lot of times without your knowledge
0: oh man, how rude oh i i don 't know if you remember one of our friends he's an imaginary friend because he 's a public defender now up in uh, in California. We went to law school with him. But he, I remember, I'd have lunch with him, and he told me about when he was working for one of the the very large banks, and he had access to all the customer records. And he would, he was like, Oh, I wonder, I wonder how much money Tony Hawk has in his account. Tony Hawk's a skateboarder, and he could just look it up. And so you've got these banks with tens of thousands of employees and almost no. Uh, no controls over who can access what information, so I thought that was kind of interesting. You know any snoopy little teller can pretty much bring up anyone's account records and see how much money they have, and sure. who knows what they might what types of designs they might have you know we're often we're worried about governmental actors, but you know I might be just as worried about. About uh, private actors too, right? I mean, your
1: Bank of America teller probably isn't making a whole lot of money, and if you are a high-profile customer, who knows what other individuals have incentive to understand and know what your bank, uh, what your banking records show, and you know, a little Bank of America teller can get right in there and do it for,
0: who knows what what they'll do it for, but yeah. it's probably not very much. Yeah, sell it to a private investigator or. Uh, yeah, who knows what they would do it for. So when, we, when we're talking about some of these relevant laws, how do exactly do you approach that in this report? Well, I think most people understand that it was things like the Patriot
1: Act or the Bank Secrecy Act that brought about a lot of these new financial and banking regulations uh, or re- requirements to report uh, things about your financial activities. But what I've done is I've gone directly to the United States Code, the code sections that prosecutors rely on to prosecute people under these sections, and the same um, code sections that uh, investigators and other federal agencies will cite in order to get your information. So it's a little bit easier for uh, individuals who are reading the bank privacy report to just go and look up what the exact text of the law is let's say, if they want to understand it even more on a more in-depth level. It's much easier to do that than to simply have to, you know, if I simply uh, cited to the Patriot Act, which is 10,000 pages, how many
0: pages? No, no, it's only, what, 360 or so. But over a third of it pertains to financial institutions, right. which is uh, kind of crazy. <laughs> right. And you've got who knows how many thousands of words in there. And, and I remember... You know, remember our first first uh, legal research class in law school? They give you some. Uh, they give you a citation, and you're supposed to figure out where to go to find this. And I mean, it, it could be very intimidating to somebody not trained in the law. And so it's nice how I was looking over the footnotes. You can just plug those footnotes right into Google, and in most cases, you're able to find that uh, that applicable language real quick and and then try to wrestle with this uh, statutory language, but uh, usually it's a lot easier when you know what you're looking for uh, when you go into the statutory language. Right, and that's kind of what I've done with this
1: is made it easy so that if you just copied and pasted that text or just typed it in right as you see it, um, you don't even have to get it exactly right, you'll probably come uh, pretty close to finding it and, and it should be easier for the users.
0: Yeah, now, so we go over the relevant law, and then uh, the next big section was you chose the, the best offshore jurisdictions. Uh, why, you know, why exactly would we be interested in going offshore, and why these particular jurisdictions that you, uh, that you uh, present to us? Well, first of all, banking in some of these offshore
1: jurisdictions that protect privacy Uh, Those jurisdictions have laws, sometimes constitutional level laws, which protect the privacy of the individuals in the banks much more than United States banks or United States law would allow. Now, this doesn't mean that all of your information is uh, private if you transfer money through the formal banking system to these banks from the United States. There's going to be a record of that, but once your um, information is in those banks there is very little that can happen short of serious crimes um, investigation for serious crimes that will allow those banks to then reveal that banking information
0: yeah i know i know with uh, one of the banks that i deal with I looked up the relevant uh, applicable law, and it's actually one of the jurisdictions you don't mention. So maybe I need to go <laughs> go uh, find another bank, but uh, but it provided that if they released any of my customer information, they could be imprisoned for two years. So th- this was pretty comforting, you know. If that little snoopy teller, my friend, who's that public defender, you know, if he had been snooping around, uh, his manager or or VP could. Uh, possibly be liable for uh, criminal charges you know, for releasing some of this information which is almost the exact opposite that we have here in the United States where they're liable criminally if they don't release the information under right. like the the SARS and things like that
1: right now criminal penalties for releasing bank information is is uh, common in a lot of these offshore uh, banking privacy uh, jurisdictions. Um, just because the uh, jurisdiction that you were looking up doesn't come in the report doesn't mean it's not a good jurisdiction. I, I took into consideration a lot of things when I was choosing the best. One of the things was a representation of several areas of the world. So I cover Asia, Latin America, Europe. Um, I, I try and spread it out that way. But um In this, but I also chose jurisdictions that do have strong privacy protection uh, in general, and that jurisdiction that you were looking up um, probably has almost as strong as uh, privacy protection as the other jurisdictions I've talked about. But you can also you can take the things that I've talked about uh, in the bank privacy report, and if you have a question about. Uh, another jurisdiction, it'll be easier for you to to find what you're looking for, because you'll know what to look for when researching maybe another jurisdiction that you may have closer connections to.
0: Right. Now, what are some of these extreme credible threats that uh, could be on the horizon? Uh, what do you mean by could be on the horizon? Well, I, I know, like, for example, I wrote an article about currency controls, and then you followed it up with a couple articles on Hawala systems and currency controls. So that would be a uh, one threat that I'm particularly particularly worried about would be the introduction of currency controls and why it would be advantageous to have some capital outside of the the area that's being controlled with its currency. Oh,
1: certainly, and that's one of the big things that uh, bank privacy gives you when using jurisdictions using foreign jurisdictions is you're able to um, diversify your, your asset base. If you have a, a bank let's say in Switzerland or Panama those two countries are very unlikely to have the currency controls that, ha- that they're going to have in a country say the United States or England. If you've already got enough of your capital outside of the United States before they even impose those kind of currency controls, you're going to be able to function in a worldwide economy much easier with much more ease and without risking violating the law because you've already got your capital outside of that jurisdiction.
0: Yeah, and whether that's the U.S. that imposes the currency controls or whether it's some other uh, jurisdiction like Venezuela who just devalued the bolivar and uh, and have imposed currency controls. And we actually already have currency controls here in the United States. Uh, and I noticed you put it in probably just for me about the pennies and nickels. you know. And you take a handful of change to Tijuana and you, you wanted to get a churro and instead you get three meals in a bed because you got over $5 of pennies and nickels in your pocket. So uh, we already have these currency controls and it's just a matter of ramping them up. Uh, in the US. And we also have them in places like Venezuela and Brazil, just impose some currency controls and uh, other things like that. You know, what uh, What would then be some of the, and we talked about facilitating international business. Uh, for example, I just uh, finished a transaction. I'm in the process of closing it and I'm having to get quite a bit of uh, capital to this fellow, you know, halfway around the world. And it's, Proving to be quite a pain in the neck because he doesn't necessarily have uh, his international banking uh, infrastructure built in terms of his own personal accounts. So I'm having to kind of cater to his uh, needs in terms of getting him that that money that uh, he needs for, from the assets that I bought. So. Uh, In addition to that, what are some of the kind of the really big Hollywood movie type issues that uh, offshore banking can protect us against? On the more extreme level, things you're talking about like the Hollywood
1: movie level, um, they're possible but probably not likely for most people. Uh, Things like blackmail, extortion, political persecution, even kidnapping, and a host of other things. Uh, These are all potential threats uh, we even kind of mentioned it earlier when we we're talking about the uh, low low paid teller who might divulge the information about you know somebody who has twenty million dollars in their account or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: they, they pull out their account. Oh, you got. Twenty million dollars, and I know your home address, and I know your social security number, and I know all this other stuff. All, I know yeah. where you're. I know where you're spending your money. I know the work, you, you, the gym that you work out at because you paid them. <laughs> right, organized crime.
1: <laughs> it, their new uh, commodity of choice is information. Drug smuggling and other things. Those are kind of taking a back seat to the exchange of information. So information like that, that this lowly teller can pull up, um, can honestly and truly has a potential of leading to these kinds of things, kidnapping and extortion, um, because they, can, they have incentive to sell that information. It's really difficult in the United States to, to track them down <laughs> as the source of this because the information is shared among so many individuals. Within the banking system and with the, with the federal government, that
0: it's it's almost impossible to know where the breach of security was. Yeah, because they don't have adequate uh, controls built into their system. Yeah, this is uh, it's a very interesting report. I think that uh, it's a great great value for the price. Took quite a. Quite a number of hours to put it together, and if you were to have your own attorney prepare something like this for you, it would be very costly. So oh, certainly,
1: and this is the kind of thing that a lot of law firms will have an associate do. You know, they'll spend a couple days, and the firm will pay them a few hundred to a few thousand dollars to put together something like this. You know, I I did it because I enjoy this kind of thing, and I know a lot of people uh, would want this information in their hands, so um, I'm getting it to people. At, basically nothing so
0: yeah definitely uh definitely a good price so i i recommend people get it is there anything else you'd like to add about this uh bank privacy report no i just uh the uh uh, i
1: I think you're right the the pennies and nickels regulation was was (laughs) just for you just for me just for you so anyone else who reads it you can just black that part out That was just for (laughs) Trace.
0: Well, we'll have to get a churro sometime. (laughs) Thanks for listening to episode 67 of the runtogold.com podcast. And please keep in mind that the bank privacy report uh, does not constitute legal advice, and it does not form an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to form an attorney-client relationship with Bill, I'm sure he could take care of you, Uh, but that will cost extra. Thanks. This is John Rubino from dollarcollapse.com, and you're listening to Run to Gold.